It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Raptors, is Pascal Siakam going to make the All-NBA team? He probably deserves to, but... There's tough competition for the 15 slots available for the first, second, and third teams. We're going to break it all down. Who is Siakam up against? What is his case to make it to begin with? And so much more with the wonderful Samson Folk from Raptors Republic. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1145 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can go and support the podcast by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, whatever it is your podcast app of choice asks you to do to support the podcast you like. Go ahead and do that. It's much appreciated. Plus, you can go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button and join the almost 1,750 satisfied customers on the Lockdown Raptors channel. It's much appreciated when you do that, as it is appreciated when you make us your first listen of the day, as I know you do every single day. All right, on today's show, all NBA time is here. There's 10 games left on the schedule. Big one tonight against the Cavaliers, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk instead about Pascal Siakam and his all NBA candidacy. A couple days ago on the podcast, I expressed some concern about the just the numbers game at play when it comes to All-NBA. Are there going to be enough spots to get Siakam on? There's lots of good players, as it turns out, in the NBA. Uh, but he definitely stands a good chance. And his case was laid out wonderfully by today's guest, who is, of course, Samson Folk from Raptors Republic, the, uh, one of the very best people when it comes to breaking down what's happening on the floor for your Toronto Raptors. Samson, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing quite well. Uh, you know, it's been it's been cool to see how well the team is rounded into form, even if there are some, you know, letdown games that come here and there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the team has adapted to, you know, this new style and they're starting to enhance some aspects of it and maybe drop a couple other ones that they tried and didn't succeed. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the head of it all during this run has been Pascal Siakam. So it's really cool to see a guy like that, you know, rebuild his game and tweak things after, you know, I the verb used in the article was that, you know, his game was torn down and remade in punchlines after the bubble, mm-hmm. which was unfair. And now we're in a position where, you know, maybe he's back, not at the top of the mountain, but he's uh, he's getting closer. Certainly. He's been incredible this season. I think he's been clearly a better basketball player than he was when he made All-NBA back in 2019-20. I don't even know if that's a debate at this point. And uh, again, I'll make this point every time I mention the 2019-20 All-NBA teams. Kyle Lowry should have been on there. Second team, like, what are we talking about? Ben Simmons, are you kidding me? Get lost. Anyway, uh, Soapbox uh, turned off for today. 
Do you turn off the soapbox? You stand off of it? Uh, whatever. Uh, Samson, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dig into Pascal's case. Before we kind of dive into the dudes he's going to be up against in the competition and the weird positionality that could kind of sway this whole thing. Uh, I, I mean, you did a wonderful piece today uh, or yesterday for whatever – it's Thursday. This came out on Tuesday. So in fact, it was two days ago. Chronological, baby. Uh, but you did a really great piece writing all about the different ways Siakam has expanded his game as a playmaker this season, the way he's capitalized on the mid-range, the way really his offense has existed in a very difficult ecosystem all season long. And yet the results have been really, really excellent. Plus the defense remains a very strong part of his game as well you laid out the whole case so in not as many words as you do in the piece of course go read the piece i'll link it in the post for the show uh you know what is the case for pascal siakam not just as a very good player but as an all nba level player this season so the case starts with the fact that the guard position is super loaded in the nba and guys like paul george and Kawhi leonard aren't viable this sure. means that you know like there's less competition for that spot and pascal a guy who missed, you know, the first part of the season and had to work back from surgery. That's almost guaranteed to make make it so that you don't you aren't an option at the end of the season. But mm-hmm. the mix of less people available, the fact that Pascal has just been an Iron Man since returning, playing basically mm-hmm. every game. You know, he had that two game rest wherever, and there's a little bit afterwards, but just basically playing every game, playing like 40 minutes night in and night out. And then, as you said, like improving on certain aspects of his game from big to small, he's proven that he helps guide this Raptors team, especially in half-court offense. Um, As everybody's gotten better at exhibiting and kind of showing what works defensively, uh, his archetype, the example he sets, becomes more and more prominent, and he looks better and better when he's not in a position where he has to continue to problem solve for people making mistakes. Now he's more mm-hmm. weaponized than he ever has been. Whereas at the start of the season, he was a guy who was like looked bad at times because he was running the defense the way it was supposed to be run, and he was <laughs> expecting other people to follow suit, and mm-hmm. that just wasn't the case. And now things look a lot more in sync, and he's starting to look a lot better on that end. And the statistics are there for your consideration. And then to really get into the weeds and try and make the case for them, you bring the context, which isn't 100%. You know, the statistical case, it's something where you have to bring in, you know, a lot of the film and that kind of stuff. And that's where, you know, gifts in pieces now are uh, very helpful in, I guess, kind of showing how he does things differently and why it's necessary that he does those things. Yeah, absolutely. The defensive point you made is really good. And I think it's been kind of on display the way he's kind of become almost the captain of the defense this season. Uh, Like he gets mad so often at guys who screw up. And like oftentimes he's fixing the mistakes that those guys kind of uh, make and cleaning up the messes that are in their wake. But when there's like a real gaffe, uh, you almost know it's never going to be Siakam. Or if it was, he does a really good job of pinning it on somebody else. Uh, but he, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, that's just been a fun little subplot to watch this season. He's kind of taken more ownership over the defense, which is one thing. And then on offense, I mean, like it, it's just it, the problem solving has been incredible. And it doesn't really feel like there's a thing you can really do about him as a defense. Obviously, like, you know, you're going to have off nights. We've seen some nights here and there where the touch isn't quite there. He'll have a bit of a wonky shooting night. That feels way more about Siakam than it does what defenses are doing to him, though. Uh, What have you made of the way that he, like, do you think he is kind of matchup proof outside of his own touch at this point? Like with the way he's kind of 
absorbing what the defense is throwing at him and then just kind of reacting with the exact right read that is that is called for, whether it's a pass to the corner, whether it's him looking for his own shot in the mid-range, whatever it might be. How have you sort of taken in that, that problem-solving process he's kind of gone through this season? Yeah, that's really interesting because a guy like DeMar DeRozan could get brought up in the same type of ways. Is DeMar DeRozan matchup proof because he can get to his spots typically? And are the, whether the shots are going in or not, who, who's to say? Although DeMar's shot package, I think, is more difficult, or shot diet, I should say, is more difficult than Pascal's. But Pascal has a more difficult shot diet than quite a few players, but mm -hmm. it's also a shot diet that I think most people can't take away from him. So right. he is he is the author of how he performs in a lot of games, and especially with how he's developed as a playmaker, he is the author of how the Raptors half-court offense gets their shots, let's say. And so he can't control when the Raptors shoot 18% from downtown. Like, he really can't. He creates shots. He he sinks the defense in. And if they want to sink in on him, then shots are going to be open. Guys have to hit those. You know, Gary Trent Jr. is still, I think, under 30%. Overall, like post-All-Star break, Fred is still under 30% from three post-All-Star break. OG hasn't even been playing. And the Raptors have been winning games. And that is in, you know, no short order because Pascal is a wizard with the basketball and can score from many different places. And so... That's kind of the big thing is his spots are more varied than they used to be. One of the big things I point out in the article is that this is the first season of his career where he's taken more shots from the short mid-range than he has at the rim. It's not because he likes the short mid-range better than the rim. <laughs> it's because the rim isn't always available to him because of the constraints that the defense puts on him by overloading, doubling, all that kind of stuff. And so mm -hmm. finding his own counters, be it the short mid-range touch, it could be a fadeaway, it could be a push shot. It could be one of his rolling, fading, you know, bankers, something like that. But when we look at a guy who can play make from there, hit shots from there, and has the size to put a lot of smaller defenders in the mixer and the speed to make any big defender who steps out on him, you know, pay with a blow by, I think he has all of the necessary keys to make it so that you can't really force him into something he's truly uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. over over the course of a game on a possession by possession basis guys are going to dig into your handle maybe they push you back and you know kill time on the clock but for the most part I, I think he is the author of how his games look and there's some shooting you know uh variation that comes along with that but for the most part this is a guy who there's a reason he's scoring 20 plus basically every game is yeah. because his spot is somewhere he can get and he gets there often enough and he gets to the free throw line often enough. He has to hit more of them, but he gets there often enough. And so, yeah, he's just doing his thing. He's very tough to stop. He's uh, one of the big things that's kind of interesting with Pascal is that all those graphics that come up on the broadcast, all the graphics <laughs> that get retweeted or all the, you know, stat queries that get retweeted that are refused to do that are like, oh, yeah, the, who is who scores and assists and rebounds like Pascal Siakam? <laughs> Nikola Jokic and LeBron James and Julius <laughs> Randle. And it's like having Randle in there means that the Jokic and, you know, James comps are, you know, irrelevant. That's the point. Yeah. It's like Rand Randle and Siakam are very unique the league over. And so you have to kind of look at their games holistically, not say like, well, maybe Pascal is LeBron. It's just like, yeah. well, let's actually observe why Pascal is Pascal. And Pascal is Pascal and Pascal is good. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just glad the Raptors have cornered the market on guys who are subject of those hilarious graphics. Matt Young for his 14.4 points, 8.6 boards, and 5.3 assists, or whatever the hell it was. Basically, Wilt Chamberlain, of course. Uh, so, I mean, the thing with this season, too, with Siakam is, like you mentioned, he's in the mid-range a lot. He's kind of forced to take those shots quite a bit because of the way the defense presents itself to him. Uh, the way the Raptors also kind of have a lot of dudes hanging around in the paint probably doesn't help matters either. <laughs> There's just guys everywhere all the time. Um, it is interesting, though, because we kind of, I feel like when we talk about Siakam, it's like, oh, 2019-20 was the last time real Siakam was here. But I actually find that a lot of the stuff he's doing this year kind of got its start last season when he was a lot better than people gave him credit for. Is that fair? Do you think like do you think like the seeds of this year and, and what he's done as a playmaker, as an offensive engine were more so planted last season than they ever were in that 2019-20 season when still that was kind of very clearly Lowry's team and you know it was a totally different shot diet and a totally different kind of way they were using Siakam as their top scorer than they are this year, where like everything's running through him. Yeah, it's I thought the conversation around Pascal was and I said it, you know, openly all the time, everywhere I could. The conversations around him are super, super silly, super disingenuous and real dumb. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And his status has returned to around 2019-20. But yeah. his game is very, very dissimilar from 2019-20. It's way more similar to 2020-21 in the fashion in which he gets his points and makes plays for teammates. Anybody who watches the game with like any type of critical eye notices that. And, you know, if you don't watch the games and you just want to check that out statistically, that is also the case. Pascal is way more discerning in the way that he gets shots because he has way more focus on him because he doesn't have one of the most underrated guards of the past, you know, decade as the guy who's running his team. Although maybe Fred will be able to say that for this upcoming <laughs> decade, who knows? But yeah, Pascal, the the fruits of his labor in 2020-21 are showing up now. And that's why people were always always wrong to think that oh, you know, this is this is who he is, just this this player who's never going to be good again, this player who's not worth a max contract or whatever. It's like, you know, the it's the Cade Cunningham thing too, although Cade is younger, but Cade has really bad statistics currently. But you watch mm -hmm. the game and you see that he's on the precipice of accomplishing super incredible plays time after time. And that's what Pascal does. He puts the defense in really uncomfortable positions. And the shooting touch wasn't where it needed to be last year. But now it's there. And, you know, by proxy of that, he he's scoring more. He draws more attention. He's able to play playmake in more aggressive ways. And, you know, the team also gives him a little bit more license to get screens as this year is progressing and stuff like that. So he's being recognized as all this kind of stuff. But yeah, last year was where a lot of the progression came, but not the results that people were looking for. Totally. Uh, we're going to continue on here and start diving into the competition for Pascal Siakam to make all, all NBA, that is, in just one second here. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Truebill, who are a wonderful company that are great for people like me who forget things all the time. I often sign up for free trials or subscriptions for stuff that I want for just like a month or one use. And then I always forget to cancel that subscription. And then 30 days later, I get an email saying my card has been charged for something that I forgot I even tried. Well, Truebill is here to help you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want, need, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill 
because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. They come with a concierge. Why would you not try out Truebill? They have over 2 million users and it's helped them save altogether $100 million. That is Dr. Evil money and more. Go check them out. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you lots and lots of money. Go check them out. And today's show is brought to you by a new sponsor. It's NBA Top Shot, the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. I hear people ask all the time when it comes to Top Shot, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it on YouTube for free? It's not just about watching the highlight. It's about having ownership stake in what is akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. If you were to tell someone in 1916 that your piece of cardboard with Babe Ruth's face on it would be worth millions one day, everyone would have thought you were crazy. That's the same idea with NBA Top Shot. If you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to start is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull an NFT of a superstar like LeBron James or KD or star rookies like Cade Cunningham or your boy Scotty Barnes for just nine bucks. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can snag moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. Top Shot's moments can get you access to events and be used in fantasy games and, and uh, mini games in fantasy games on a regular basis basis go check him out at nba top shot today all right we continue on your first listen of the day here on locked on raptors with samson folk from uh, raptors Republic. lots of dudes really good this year as it turns out samson making all nba is hard it's only 15 spots it's got positionality complicating things and gumming up the works uh i suppose we should start with the thing that this is it's look this isn't going to be the determining factor, but I kind of think it might be. There was talk earlier this week on the low post about the sort of problem with the positions thing when it comes to the two best players in the NBA this season, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, and whether or not they'll be uh, able to be voted in as forwards or, or and or centers or whatever it's going to be. Basically, I think it kind of boils down to this for Siakam. The fewer guys who are classified as forwards, the better. So I think if you see that Embiid-Jokic first team, which honestly, as someone who doesn't care about the positions thing, probably is the right thing to do and have those two and Giannis as your front court of your uh, All-NBA team. Like, if that happens, I think things get pretty tricky for Siakam pretty quickly here. But let's just operate under the assumption that they're going to go center, center, center. It'll be Jokic, Embiid, and Carl Towns or whoever for the one, two, and three center spots. We can examine the ways Siakam can maybe get on in the other form and fashion of it but let's just assume they go typical centers here and you get uh those three guys as your centers and you're sitting there with your forward situation samson for you you watch a lot of basketball man probably more than i do in the nba like across the across the board who would your six forwards be right now assuming Jokic, Embiid, and towns are the centers Okay, I guess that would be you know speak. You use the term concierge in the true bill thing. I was wondering. <laughs> I was wondering has has a, an NBA player ever been nicknamed the concierge? Because they tried to name Ooh. Kevin Durant the servant, right? Yeah, something he like that. He tried to name himself the servant. We need to. We everyone tried to give him way cooler names. The Durantula was a thing out there, but no, he wanted to be called the servant. That sucks, sure. dude. I'm yes. like KD. I'm I'm sorry, dude. That really sucks. But okay, anyway. <laughs> Uh, KD, LeBron, Tatum, Jimmy, and Pascal are probably my six forwards. Y Giannis not in there? 
Oh, sorry. Giannis is the sixth. I named five. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. I talk yeah. basketball. I don't do math. Something like that. Yeah, jokes, jokes about, you know, not being as intelligent. Insert them here. <laughs> um, so I, I think that is probably right. The wrinkle here is DeMar DeRozan was a forward in the all-star game, right? He was a guard. He was That's a guard. why it's interesting. Sure. He was a guard. Cool. Great. All right. We'll say DeRozan then is a guard in this situation, or he was a forward for the guard in the all-star break. Maybe he's a forward in this situation. He's going to be classified as both. I think as I read the tea leaves and with the way they play, I mean, he essentially plays power forward for them a lot. He has the ball in his hands a lot. It's done that there's positions for this thing, Samson. It drives me insane. What are we doing is 2022. But um, my sort of concern here is that DeRozan gets on there. LeBron, Tatum, Giannis, KD get on there. But the glut of really good guards leaves it so someone like Luka Doncic is getting pushed to being a forward. I think Doncic is a guard. I'd probably have him as my first team guard with John Morant uh, to, to go along with Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and my, my kind of ideal world. Uh, I think KD in place of whoever Embiid goes to the second team if we're talking centers there. Um, but if Luka gets bumped over for a Trey Young or a Chris Paul or someone like that, then I think you're kind of in trouble. And it almost comes down to me to a DeRozan versus Siakam type of conversation and it feels very icky to me for DeMar DeRozan not to be on an All-NBA team considering what he's done this year. And it would be kind of like upsetting just as a Raptors acolyte to uh, you know, see DeMar lose his All-NBA spot to a Raptors player. It would be a little bittersweet, I think. So it's not going to just come down to a Siakam versus DeRozan thing, but I think that's kind of the tier we're looking at here for third team. Tatum feels like a lock to me. He's just been insane. You know, LeBron, Giannis, KD all feel like locks. If Luka moves over, there's only that one spot. Like DeRozan or Siakam. I don't. I don't know if it comes down to this. Maybe it's not right. But like, if you, you were just asked, Nerf gun to your head, DeRozan or Siakam for All NBA, who do you pick? That's easy. And like, I, 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 I go for Siakam hard. I really respect mm -hmm. his game. I write about it all the time. That isn't close. Like Siakam's case for All NBA. If we want him to have that accolade, it's that the strict forward thing. DeRozan is the all-star guard. Luka mm -hmm. Doncic, when voted into All-NBA prior, was voted in as a guard. If those things stay true, if voters uniformly accept that, like, yes, the way it was done in years prior is the way we'll do it now, then Pascal Siakam has a real shot. And that's against mm -hmm. guys like Middleton. And you can, like, I'd make the case over Butler. Many people would be hesitant to do that because of the, you know, Butler is a pretty big name in media. And there's guys like Ingram and, you know, Jalen Brown as well. But yeah, that's the case. Like, that's that's how good the NBA is, is that mm -hmm. it's, if, if the guard things shake out, it's Pascal Siakam doesn't make third team or a guy like Donovan Mitchell doesn't or a guy like Trey Young doesn't. And it yeah. just depends if you, you and then you're like yeah if you if you make mb or Jokic a forward then you're throwing everything out the window which kind of like on the one hand rocks because they were saying remove the center position from all nba and it wasn't mm -hmm. like this positionless basketball thing it was people just thinking that center sucked and now that centers yeah. are like all the rage <laughs> they're like hmm, maybe we need to go positionless but yeah so the case the case is that like you're being strict and you're sticking to the ways that it was. And, you yeah. know, if, if a Raptor benefits from that, which they often don't benefit from the, I don't know, the hegemony of the NBA, 
this one time, maybe it's this one time. And I think Pascal yeah. is good enough to get the, the I don't know, the, 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 the back door, you know, because he wasn't the yeah. all-star and the, the Goran Dragic type of all-NBA where you just ball out in the second half and or Steph Curry even where you ball out in the second half and they recognize you as one of the, not the top 15, but the top six in your position. Yeah, I think that look and look, there's no shame in making it on a technicality either, right? Like it's a very exclusive club. Uh, get in there as much as you can. You're rubbing your fingers together. Yes, do that. that that's that's a big part of it too. Um <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's look, so I'll, let me just run through what my sort of like my iteration of it if they do the Jokic Embiid first team thing. Because I think that could really happen. The way that people are talking about it, like it seems like it's very much on the table. And it just doesn't make sense in my brain that one of those two guys, Embiid or Jokic, is going to be a second team All-NBA guy. It just seems stupid. So if we go that way, it's Ja, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid first team for me. Then I have Steph, Booker, Durant, LeBron, Towns as my second team. Then I have Mitchell, Chris Paul, Tatum, DeRozan, Gobert as my third team. Like the Gobert thing is pretty underwhelming. We can, in the final segment, if you want, examine Pascal as a center. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get Flip real it on technicality on it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess in that situation, like maybe Mitchell or CP3, because of the games played, are the guys you bump out to slide DeRozan over. It just becomes really difficult if Jokic is or Embiid is determined a forward to find that slot. If you had to take off one of those guards, who do you think it would be? And do you think there's a case for Siakam in a vacuum over either Chris Paul or Donovan Mitchell this season? There's a case over Chris Paul. I, I mm -hmm. There's a case over Chris Paul. The case over Donovan Mitchell is pretty tough probably, but I, you know, if somebody was arguing that I wouldn't hate it. Donovan Mitchell mm -hmm. isn't a good defender. Pascal Siakam is, and uh, that that's pretty meaningful. Also, oh, these guys Siakam. also going to play fewer games than Siakam or the same amount, by the way. Yep. That, that was like one of the craziest things is, you know, Pascal Siakam is like, oh, he missed the first part of the season. He's basically not allowed to be in these conversations. But then Nick Nurse was like, hey, you're going to play 40 minutes. You're going to bust <laughs> your ass all night. OK, and you're not going to miss a single game. It's like I, I think I'm doing the impression of the bad guy from Space Jam when he's telling Michael Jordan, you know, he's going to let mm. kids score on him all the time. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how he got back into it. But and then like also, you know, you didn't mention Trey Young on there. And I understand like the bad blood between Raptors fans because of the Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet thing. But yeah, Trey is also pretty tough. Like if you want crazy. Make, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of good guards. I, I'd make the argument for over CP3, but over like Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, it starts to get really hairy, especially if you want to appeal to a wider audience, because those guys stats, man. Yeah. Stats, stats move people. <laughs> I know. I mean, I personally kind of exclude Trey Young because the Hawks have been a depressing ass watch all season. And I know it's not all his fault, but like they're really bad at defense and there are some reasons for it. And he is one of the very large reasons for it. So like, I think that matters. And I, I kind of, maybe it's silly to take record into account for this stuff. I don't hate like using narrative kind of when it comes to this. I know there's some purists who are just like, go to the stats, go to the numbers, go to the advanced metrics. Like for me, I want to look at the all NBA team and think, Oh yeah, those 15 guys tell the story of that season pretty well. And I don't think Trey young really factors into the story of this season. So I'm fine leaving him off Mitchell, Chris Paul, very different. I feel like two sons on there feels like it should probably happen, but 
it's tricky, man. We're going to continue on, and we'll examine the world in which it's down to a six-forward spot. And there's a few guys you mentioned there. We'll talk through the cases against Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, and Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown maybe as well, uh, before we also talk about Pascal Siakam, the center, uh, <laughs> and why he's going to be third team. Uh, we'll do that more from Moron Mountain in just a second here. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, who, once again, are here for you during college basketball's biggest time of the year the tournaments are upon us both men's and women's and from all the latest odds contests and player props betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info betonline remains the best spot to go to get all the information you might need before you place your bets and it's not just basketball bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs including live betting your favorite vegas casino games baseball for example that's coming up you want to put some futures money down on the the big dinger hitting boys there in toronto you should have 100 do that are they going to hit 500 home runs can you take the over do it please go now head to the website and use your mobile device and learn more about the trends in the action at bet online it is of course where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on here. I saw I cracked you up with my Moron Mountain quip on the little off-camera yeah. thing before the break. Very successful. I powered through my ad read, feeling quite happy there. Uh, so we mentioned the iteration in which they, the forwards are all treated as forwards. There's no center sliding over. There's no guard sliding over. Basically, the sort of rough rubric that we're seeing here of this is my team that I laid out before. Ja, Luka, Giannis, KD, Jokic, first team. Steph, Booker, LeBron, Tatum, Embiid, second team. Mitchell, Chris Paul, DeRozan, sixth forward to be determined, and Carl Anthony Towns, third team. I think that's pretty fair. You, you quibble with you know Trey Young or whatever you want, but that feels like it's pretty right. You get to that sixth spot. We've mentioned Pascal Siakam. Uh, I know Kevin Arnovitz brought up DeMontis Sabonis on his podcast with Zach Lowe this week. What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, if we're telling the story of this season, the Pacers and Kings are the furthest away from the story of this season. So, no, thank you. Uh, Jimmy Butler, however, on the top team in the Eastern Conference, has been very good this season. He's averaging 21.3, six boards, 5.6 assists. He's shooting 18.5% from three, and he has been terrible in crunch time this season. Like, truly, truly brutal being buoyed by the buns of Kyle Lowry. Uh, the case versus Jimmy Butler, I think this is probably the closest one with Siakam. I think he's better than Middleton, especially. Like, Middleton's the third best player on his own team this season. We don't need to pretend Chris Middleton is having the same kind of year he's always had in previous seasons. He's a little bit worse this year, and that's fine. Brandon Ingram we can talk about, but Jimmy Butler feels like it's going to be the point of contention. You mentioned he's far more famous. He does much more barista-ing in his spare time. I don't know how that plays. Uh, but when it comes to just like the pure case for Jimmy Butler versus Pascal Siakam, trying to take the obvious, you know, Raptors leanings we have here out of it, who do you think actually deserves that spot more? So games played matters a lot, I think, yeah. to all NBA. And this is where Pascal, you know, there's a difference there and minutes played is a big difference too. And this is why when 
so painstakingly in like maybe it even made the article drag at the beginning but i really wanted to make the point of how difficult a job pascal has and mm -hmm. that's because nick nurse despite being labeled you know the the mad scientist offensively there's very little in the way of you know uh framework creation i would call it where maybe Nick Nurse has drawn up some beautiful set that creates a bunch of inherent advantages to get Pascal Siakam to a spot that's really helpful. There's very little of that. You know, I, I point out in the article too, is there's two guys who isolate more than Pascal and it's Shea Gilgis Alexander, one of the best drivers in NBA history already, it, truthfully, and James Harden may be the best isolation scorer of all time. These are the people that Pascal is isolating as often as, and he's just being told, oh yeah, there's no spacing. It's just you versus <laughs> it's just you versus your primary. Uh, the defense is also playing pack line defense, so they're pinching in against drives specifically. Nobody's out beyond the three point line. In fact, three or four players might have the foot in the paint. Go figure it out. That's impossible, dude. Pascal swam in space next to Kawhi Leonard, next to Kyle Lowry. He was shooting like seventy four percent at the rim. He was still creating a lot of his own looks. It was just spacing was there, and now he's in a you know, he's in a, a closet all the time. And Jimmy Butler is not in a closet. And if he is in a closet, it's because he can't shoot the three ball. And it's not even <laughs> like it's not even like Pascal not being able to shoot the three ball. Like Pascal knows that he is the engine of the offense. So he has to work and get downhill and not bail out defenses by trying to shoot over top of it. Being a better three point shooter is obviously important, but Pascal is going through proper offensive process. But Eric Spolstra. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, you know, even Gabe Vincent, who rocks. These are all players and, you know, with Spolstra, people who create advantages through framework, through cutting, through so much motion and, and good play that Jimmy's ask on offense is not nearly as much as Pascal's. And his ask on defense isn't nearly as much either. And their statistics are comparable to the point where I would lean who has the more difficult job. And with missing mm -hmm. games and stuff like that, um, Jimmy, he doesn't get to claim as big a role in the Heat's record as maybe he otherwise would have. So that's the case between them, I would think. And like, I like I like both these players a lot. In fact, I think like Lewis and I do minute basketball, and I think mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler is the player we've written about most actually over the couple of years we've been doing. I like Jimmy a lot, but I, yeah. I think Pascal has a better case this year. I think I'm with you. Uh, you know, I admittedly have watched probably less of the Heat than you have. You know, I, I've probably caught 15, 20 games, something like that. It's not been every single night. Probably that's probably 20 is too, too high. 15. This is <laughs> <laughs> only have so much to, time to devote to Florida. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it feels like Siakam is way more integral to the fabric of that team. And I think honestly, the fact that the Heat have won as many games as they have with so few guys being in the lineup for regular runs of time, like, it almost speaks to the system being why the Heat are so good as opposed to one individual guy who has played 49 games. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guess how many fewer minutes Jimmy Butler has played than Pascal Siakam. Maybe you've already done this research uh, in your Pascal piece, but let me get, just throw out a guess as to how many more minutes Siakam has played than Jimmy. If I told you like 300, 400, would that be accurate? That would be way low. What What is it? We're looking at uh, nearly 600 minutes, 574 more minutes of time played 
bypass Kelsey Ockham the Jimmy Butler. Like that should matter, I think. Like that's a pretty significant chunk. That's a third of the total minutes that Jimmy Butler has played this season. So like and three games for Pascal, obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I just I yeah, I mean I think Siakam's been a better player than Butler. And again, it's just more important. Like you take Siakam out of the Raptors. They are a hugely embarrassing lottery team. You take uh, Jimmy Butler off the heat and like they probably win mid forties or something like that. Right. Like, or better than that because of the system they have in place because they have talent all over the place. And just don't even think it's really that close when it comes to like impact to his own team's winning. Um, a guy who I think has impacted his team's meager amount of winning this season is Brandon Ingram, who is kind of like this slept on very good player from the Western Conference because he plays for the Pelicans and he was like the, you know, the the return in the Anthony Davis trade. He gets kind of forgotten. But where do you think Ingram slides into this? Do you think he has a better case than Butler? Do you think he has a better case than Siakam? I think Ingram probably has a better case than Butler, but there's nobody's willing to go to bat for him. Like the same yeah. way people, you know, I wrote this in the article too, is like people won't find it easy to write Siakam's name down. Like that doesn't come naturally because of what happened at the bubble. There's no inertia. Sure. There's no momentum. Ingram also doesn't have inertia or momentum, but Butler is, as you said, barista adjacent behavior. Like, oh, you know, I'm up at three in the morning. I grind, you know, everything I do grind, which is fine and like fun and good. But people people identify with that you know like you know tyler hero put no work no check even though he has a guaranteed contract you know tattooed on his <laughs> on his chest okay the militant the militant brand of miami heat basketball appeals to a lot of you know chuds out there okay so like J- jimmy <laughs> J- jimmy does his thing i'm and that clipping does, that one <laughs> and i mean like and jimmy is very good i don't want this to be down on jimmy i just think like yeah brandon ingram anyway Brandon's awesome. His defense isn't as good as I think it should be given his length. Um, Mm -hmm. He's start like the mix of three pointers, mid range and free throws isn't as optimized as it once was for Ingram. But once again, you have to take into context the same way that I, you know, belabored the point of why Pascal's shot diet changed isn't because he's being a worse player, but Brandon Ingram is a guy who's undergoing a shot diet change and that that's affected his statistics and his efficiency to some degree. But I also think that that team, uh, like any team that has Jonas Valanciunas, is actually winning a lot of games because they have awesome center play. And I think that the Pelicans with like Herb Jones and Alvarado to a much smaller degree, but the Pelicans have found a, a great identity in their defense and being big and being funky in, in a, a different type of funk than the rappers, of course, but I think that that's more of a team accomplishment and Ingram has just been thriving within it and trying to make things happen. But I don't think it's as impressive uh, a season as Pascal's, for example, although Ingram, I would, I would of the grouping of Siakam, Butler, Ingram and Middleton, Ingram would be my number two there. Also 500 fewer minutes played than Pascal Siakam. I just looked it up. Siakam missed the first 10 games of the season. Is 15th in total minutes played in the NBA. That's ridiculous. It rocks, dude. But it also doesn't (laughs) rock. (laughs) Sit down for what? Am I right? Uh, Last one. uh, Is he the third team All-NBA center, actually? And we're just uh, totally overlooking this. He should just be the center, even though he plays point guard for the team more often than he plays center. (laughs) Uh, Okay. 
Should he be the center? That's that's in that's in competition with Gobert and Cat. Then obviously, yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be Gobert if it's the world where Jokic and Embiid end up. This only happened because he's not better than Towns as a center this season. Like, no, no, not happening. But Gobert, you could convince me because it's easy to convince me that Rudy Gobert is less less than others. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, look, it's a pipe dream. It's going to come down to what the basketball reference positional data says, which I think as of like three weeks ago, I was speaking with our pal Vivek Jacob about this. It was like 30 percent that he was classified as playing center, which I don't think is true. But who knows how they come up with these classifications? Uh, is there any pathway here, Samson? I don't think so because he's <laughs> he's played less center because they've gone to the bigger weird like Kem got healthy and they've been trying to prioritize his minutes and you know Precious is emerging so that percentage of center minutes has actually gone down although yeah uh, Vivica was correct to point out that it sits perhaps like abnormally high and you know like who decides that the Raptors in some games say like Scotty Barnes is the point guard but. Gary Trent Jr. is the one who's taking on all of the pick and roll possessions that Fred runs all game. And they say, and Scotty, and then Scotty takes tip, but he's, it says point guard on NBA.com slash that. So like, who knows Chris Boucher, it says he has minutes at shooting guard this year and, Mm -hmm. you know, take that for what it's worth too. positional data is funky as always, but yeah, I I can't in good conscience make a case for him (laughs) over cat, especially because I really like cat. I really like the wolves. But also Gobert. I, I can't do it over Gobert. His defense <laughs> is so impactful. Like the, the Jazz guards suck at defense. Oh, yeah. They're, they're real, really bad. real bad. Yeah. And, and Gobert is like chilling back there, just eating garbage all the time. Like everybody's like, you don't do anything. And, and he should be able to do more offensively. I agree with that. But like uh, Raptors fans probably know more than most people. A good role man can really grease the wheels of any offense and not having that has affected them. Gobert does that at a really high level on offense and defensively. He's, he's awesome. Probably not defensive player of the year this year, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I can't make the case for Pascal over either of those guys. Not in good conscience. Yeah, that's fine. I am, however, <laughs> going to ring up David Locke, the uh, the grand poobah of this here Lockdown Podcast Network, who also does play-by-play for the Jazz, and encourage him to start calling Rudy Gobert the garbage disposal. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> just the, like, the dude who's eaten up all the garbage. It's the unsung appliance of the house. When it's broken, it's really, really wrong, and things are horrible. Uh, it smells. It's operating well. Who cares? You're fine. Everything's good. No worries whatsoever. Send that whole bowl of pasta down the sink. It's cool. Rudy Gobert's got it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I will get that going with old David. But yeah, let's uh, wrap this up, man. This was lovely. Thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, I think Pascal Siakam should make All-NBA. Will he? We'll see. The powers that be, who are the voters, uh, we'll see if the Raptors contingent of it all. Like it, it, It's hard to ignore. But hey, we'll see. Kyle Lowry made it. Pascal Siakam made it two, two years in a row, like two years ago. Like He's been there too. So it's not like you can't get on, but there's a very loaded crowd this year because it's been a very good season with lots of good players, and that's fine. Uh, speaking of good, Samson, you do good work, very good work over at Raptors Republic and Yahoo Sports. Where can people check you out? And uh, what do you have any most recent pieces other than the one on Siakam's All NBA case that people should check out? Hmm. Uh, if you care about how the Raptors attack zones and you know their struggles this season really stood out to you. I have a video. They they made a they made a playlist for me on the Yahoo Sports uh, YouTube channel. So now the the spotlight breakdowns I do are there. So you can just go there and kind of you know dig around on what happens there. I guess this upcoming week I'll probably have a breakdown 
including, you know, what type of defense they're playing schematically against Embiid in the past to come out prior to their game against Philly next week. Uh, so you can keep your head out for that. And yeah, I just write stuff all the time. I do a lot of work. Uh, so if you, I guess, follow me on Twitter or just Google Samson Folk, maybe I show up and maybe you find some stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you do whatever you want to do, but just like if, if you're here at this point, you, you listen to us for however long, that's as big a compliment as I could ever receive. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. It's, it's been cool. Uh, yeah. If you like what I say, uh, do your due diligence <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no that uh it was the most circuitous plug of all time but it's fine uh, it's a good plug everyone go i can't wait to see that Embiid breakdown because it's just going to be calamity i can't wait uh anyway you can find me at woodley sean on twitter you can find the show at locked on raptors you can subscribe for free and all your favorite podcast apps you can go to youtube and hit the big red subscribe button you can't miss it it's right there screaming at you just press it and support the show. It's very much appreciated. Even if you're only going to watch or listen on audio, just subscribe to the video because it's nice. You don't even have to have a YouTube account to do it. You can just do it indiscriminately, which is the best. Uh, with that, we will round out the show. We'll be back again tomorrow to break down Raptors, Cavs. That's a doozy. And uh, round out your week. Until then, though, have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.